This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. So if you have not checked out the other shows in the network, go to sandyboyproductions.com and see what else we have to offer over there. This podcast is a podcast for parents. And I've just realized that we've been doing this podcast for over a year now. So if you are someone who's been around from the beginning, thank you so much for sticking around. And if you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Today you're listening to episode 62. And my guest is Julie Podolik. Julie is the mother of two and she's the founder of Modern Pop, which is a fruit bar that was born out of her kitchen. She couldn't find a simple ingredient frozen fruit bar to help her firstborn son's teeth when he was teething and needed some soothing. So they started selling our modern ingredient products from a cold plate push cart on the street on the corner in Laguna Beach. Not long after that, they fielded phone calls from local grocery stores requesting delivery of their fruit filled bars. And so Julie is really a marketing and sales expert. She is so good at what she does. And she's going to share with us a little bit about her entrepreneurship story and suggestions that she has for people who are running their own business or have big dreams of starting their own business. This isn't just for entrepreneurs, though. You're going to get some really good life advice. I'm telling you, she's got some really good advice and she will help you to own this one simple thing. You are awesome. Hey, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Lily Trotters. This is where I get all of my compression socks. They have the best, most comfortable, cute, and functional compression socks out there. Um, They have crew socks as well that are compression crew socks. Those are my very favorite Nothing feels better than getting my feet cozied up in some compression socks. You can wear them with any type of shoe. Compression socks are great for pregnancy, for travel, for recovery from running. And this is a woman-owned company. So if you want to support a small business founded by a woman, look no further than Lily Trotters. Just go to lilytrotters.com, use the code ANOTHER, and you'll get 25% off your order. That's code ANOTHER which I know that's a weird code for this podcast, but my other podcast is called I'll Have Another. You get it? Um, And that's a running podcast, by the way. If you haven't checked that out and you're into running at all, go check it out. It's called I'll Have Another with Lindsay Hine. Uh, All right, friends. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Julie Podolik. All right. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Julie Podolik on the show. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I'm excited to be here. I love your shirt. Thank you. I'm very um, festive. I got all pulled together for you today. So <laughs> excited to get pulled together at home and excited to be here. I also took a shower for the interview. Usually 10 o'clock, <laughs> I'm, I drop my kids off at school at 9, and then I usually go run or work out 
And so since the interview was at 10 today, I was like, I'm going to shower first and then I can just feel good for my workout because I'm done up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I've already been to uh, the dentist, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> I o'clock this morning. I said eight. I have to be home by nine. I had to get pulled together. So yeah, I can, I can feel you on that. I, I liked knocking out the dentist, the doctor, all those things. I want the first appointment of the day, please. Yeah, exactly. No, it feels good. I feel like I've already accomplished a lot today. <laughs> okay. Well, I mentioned your shirt though, and it's interesting because Modern Pop, which is your business, I feel like a lot of the branding and style with it, you showed up with this business with your own style. Like you, I've heard you talk before in the past about like when you've launched your business, like showing up on the side of the road with your cart and your red lipstick. So um, since I mentioned your shirt, I just want to dive right into that. Have you always, has like fashion and style, has it always been a thing for you? Not at all. And I love that you say that because, um, I mean, truly, I think that, I think moving from New York City, being from the East Coast and moving to California um, allowed me to kind of, um, experiment with style. Um, I think that, you know, on the West coast, maybe even more so than like New York city and the tri-state area. Um, it's kind of like, I don't want to say weirder, but different is almost more interesting. Um, and so I don't know, I feel like, you know, ever since modern pop emerged and we began as a brand, I kind of started playing into this role even more where it's the bright, fun colors, the high-waisted jeans, kind of that retro, um, fun aesthetic and vibe. Um, it, and it is kind of flashy and bright and colorful, but I, I truly enjoy kind of, you know, wearing color and standing out and being a little bit different than, you know, the blacks, the grays, the whites. Um, so, no, I love that you noticed that like right away. It kind of, even though I don't remember seeing a ton of like bright colors in Mad Men, it gives me like the Betty vibe from Mad Men. Did you ever watch Mad Men? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> January Jones, right? Totally. You kind of look like January Jones. Keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay on all day and talk to you. <laughs> okay. So you're from New Jersey. You moved to New York, met your husband there, moved to California. Are you back in New Jersey though, close to family? So we recently, about a year ago, moved back and we're in um, a little town actually outside of New York. It's about an hour away. It's called Westport, Connecticut. Um, absolutely adore, adore it here. I feel really fortunate that I kind of got to have all those different experiences and um, actually went to school in Ohio, so Midwest. So I, I feel like, you know, all very different, all very good for, for different reasons. I'm just so curious what it's like moving back to cold weather. I'm from Indiana and we recently mm -hmm. moved to North Carolina. One reason being because we wanted better weather or whatever better means, right? Warmer weather year round. Right. Um, was that hard to leave California and go back to some colder winters? Yeah, I mean, well, this is we're emerging on the second winter. So we're still enjoying it. Um, you know, I think it's fun to kind of hibernate. Um, and kind of have that feeling of seasons. Um, we missed it. My husband's from New Hampshire originally. So he grew up ice skating, hockey. Um, I grew up obviously in New Jersey, but I did ice skating as well. And so our kids have really taken to it. Uh, our son is playing hockey. We actually have a rink in our backyard that's going up. So, I mean, it's still really fun. Although, 
you know, as the, as the degrees are dropping, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> having where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, the, the living is so easy in Southern California, but it didn't feel like home really, you know, and I think that's just stems off of, you know, where we were raised and what we kind of thought where we would be. Um, so it feels good to be back. My problem with the cold weather is I really struggle putting on jeans when it's cold. Like jeans feel cold and also just like, I don't know, everything feels less comfortable when it's cold. I'm like, I need sweatpants from November to March and I can't really live that way every day, right? I mean, I can. Yeah, it's funny. I've always gotten pulled together, like even with the whole COVID lockdown. I mean, everyone's like, I can't believe you're still like in your lipstick. I mean, seriously, I get pulled together. If I'm not pulled together, I don't feel as productive. I don't know if it's in my head. But I mean, I put on the boots and the booties and and the jeans. And I think it's kind of, um, it's more like mentality for me. Um, But yes, I understand what you're saying about like the sweatpants and kind of you know, staying inside on the couch. For sure. And I like, I like to get a good shower and put some makeup on every day, but I always go back to my joggers and like a cozy sweater. So anyway, maybe later today I'll put jeans on because I'll be inspired by the interview. <laughs> um, so is entrepreneurship in your blood? Tell me what your parents did. And was this something that came out of the blue? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. So Um, actually my husband, I mean, my husband's father, um, was in the wood turning business. Um, so he was, he was actually an entrepreneur. Um, my parents less so my dad's, um, an artist and incredible photographer, um, very creative, highly creative. Um, actually in college, I was a fine arts major and I have kind of that creative eye, um, with the branding and the marketing, I think it comes out. And my mother was a, um, a preschool director. So totally different. I could never do that. Um, I could maybe it's like, deal with it. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. So I wouldn't say it's in our family. I think as a second child, I'm definitely adventurous and I like to try out new things. Um, I, I definitely am strong and confident. I'm a very big believer that I'm awesome. And I think, you know, a lot of people like struggle with that, but I feel like if you don't believe in yourself, you know, nobody's going to follow. And the longer that I've done this, um, the more I feel like if you can lead other people, most people like to follow. And so um, it's, it's just very interesting to kind of see the dynamic of an entrepreneur and the evolution of an entrepreneur. Um, so it doesn't directly stem, you know, back to your question about, about I think, from my family. Um, I think it's more so my personality. Okay. I love that you said I'm a big believer that I'm awesome because I think that some people would be like, oh, okay. But it's like, if you really think about that, if you say I'm awesome every day, you're probably going to go do awesome things, not just for you, but for other people in the world and for your business and your family. And if you don't believe that, you're not going to do awesome things. It's simple, but it's true. Yeah. No, I love that you said that. I mean, I think that it's it's hard for people to, to say that because I think that people do want to hold back. They don't want to feel conceited. Um, but I think it's a confidence thing. And I think that if you believe in yourself and you are strong and you believe, you know what, I can get through to that CEO. That CEO is just like me. They're a regular person. But if I get through to them, I'm going to make them believe in me. 
um, you're more like that person than you think. And I think a lot of people think that their barriers of where they stand and where, um, you know, where other people stand and that they're not going to necessarily reach that person um, because of, you know, not necessarily like titles, but because of, you know, where they are kind of in the life cycle of their brand. Um, and I think not knowing as much and kind of going for it and having those beliefs and being so determined that you want to get through to those people um, is when people are going to start to notice you and you're going to see, um, you know, things change and and people reaching back out to you. It's kind of like planting all those seeds. Yes. Okay. I love this. It's And it's one of those things where like what we want our kids to be when they grow up, right? Or even when they're in college or in school, it's like you want them to have that confidence. So I have two follow-up questions to what everything you just said. The first is, is there anything you remember from your childhood and how your parents raised you that like instilled that kind of confidence in you? Yeah. I mean, my father has always been like my number one fan. So he's always told me, and maybe it's like to a fault, but he's always told me, oh my gosh, honey, you're so great. You're so amazing. And my parents were actually divorced since I was age two, but always kept very close friends. Um, and I think that his constant repetition of, you know, oh, you're so great, blah, 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 blah. You know, if my mom was the same way, I would have been like a spoiled brat. <laughs> yeah. My mom was very um, disciplined, extremely disciplined. You know, she, you know, whatever she said kind of went and I didn't cross her, but she was so supportive in a different way. And I think it was more so, you know, she made me feel like, you know, you can do anything and um, that I am deserving of anything, but I have to work towards it. And so they both worked extremely hard. Um, you know, they didn't have everything given to them. So I think that watching them work through life um, and have, you know, these positive attitudes, um, you know, and not feeling sorry for themselves, but actually watching them, you know, every day go to work and make sacrifices, I think showed me a great work ethic. You know, I find this so interesting. I know you said your parents were divorced when you were young, but I think about this with my own husband. And I'm curious what you think with your parenting, with your husband is like, we each as parents give our kids something totally different, right? So like when I'm encouraging my kids, like when they leave for school, like it's very important for me to say like, be kind, be an includer, like that's my jam. And my husband doesn't really ever say things like that to them, but he encourages them in other ways, like be a hard worker, you know? And so I just think that's so interesting because sometimes it feels like maybe we can and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but like fault our significant other if they're not like feeding them the kind of things you think your kids need to hear. But like, you're that person. You can feed them that. How do you and your husband do that differently? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think you're right. I mean, if you're both giving your kids the exact same thing, maybe they're missing something, right? So, I mean, I definitely show my love not through play. I'm not like, oh, let's sit down and play games. I'm like, you know, if they if they want to, like, play cards, I mean, you know, around the fire, like you said, you know, during the winter, I might do that. But I show my love through, like, my mother did a little bit more, like, discipline. Um, you know, you guys have to get in the bath. Your dinner's ready. You know, it's time to go to school. Do you have your books? You know, I'm a little bit more... Um, 
on top of them for the reasons that I want them to be responsible, um, you know, taking care of them. I, I always have a meal on the table in the morning. I make them like pink. I mean, I'm really good at kind of taking care of them. Whereas my husband is an incredible player. I mean, he just, anytime my son is like, you know, let's go outside and play ball. He to, I mean, I always say to a fault, he will never say like, no, he always will play. And he's so fun. And sometimes like, you know, to your point, I envy it. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could play and I can, but it's just not my strength. And so I'm okay with that. Um, so I think, you know, people give different ways and one way or another isn't the right thing. I think you just have to, you know, do what you do and do it really well and be okay with it. I feel you, man. I do not want to sit on the floor and put your Hot Wheels tracks together. And like, I just, it's not fun for me. And so, and sometimes I feel guilty about that. Um, and sometimes I'm like, okay, give it 10 minutes. Like commit to 10 minutes of fully engaged and like that'll be better than nothing. But I feel you, it's just not my jam. No, definitely. It is fun though. How old are your kids? So our son is 10 okay. almost in like two weeks, which is nuts. And then our daughter's seven. So okay. a fourth year and a second grader. So my oldest two are nine and almost seven. We're in first and third there. So I I was just about to say this age is turning out to be really fun. You know, yeah. it's like, I think we're about to teach my oldest how to play euchre, which is a Midwest thing. Did you learn how to play that in Ohio? No idea. I was just pretending like I knew. I have no idea. <laughs> it's yeah. just like a card game that people in the Midwest play, but it's actually, it's a really fun card game for adults. And, um, they, my kids have been playing a ton of Uno lately, which I don't want to play Uno, but, um, right. I'm like when they can play Euchre or like real card games, that's going to be fun. You know, I just, I don't want to play Clue though, or <laughs> like those kind of games. No, not at all. Hey friends, a quick break here to thank Gooder for supporting this podcast, Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. Listen, if you are looking for some affordable, functional, and fashionable shades, the best sunglasses out there for an active lifestyle or just everyday life, like going to the store or going for a walk or just being outside with your kids, Gooder has really cute options. They have simple, classic styles, and they also have fun loud styles. I like to have a little bit of both so that I'm, if I'm feeling kind of funky and in a weird mood, I can wear my fun shades. I have some bright yellow ones that are some of my favorites, but I also love their classic aviator sunglasses. They have some really cute runway models. Um, the breakfast run to Tiffany are my favorite. I think they are black and they have a little gold on the bottom. Super cute and classic. This is a great Christmas gift idea. Okay. This is a great stocking stuffer idea or a gift for your significant other or your friends, your best running friend, whoever it is. Um, you can go to gooder.com slash another. And when you use the code another one five, that's another 15, you will save 15% off your order. Stock up on some gooder shades. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Julie. Um, okay, you mentioned breakfast on the table every morning. I am not good at this, but anytime I do it, I do notice that the flow of the morning before school 
is so mm-hmm. much better. Like we'll do it for like birthdays or something. We'll make sure we have pancakes or, you know, first day of school or whatever. And they love it so much. What are your go-to easy get on the table breakfast uh, meals? Yeah. So I'm not a cook actually, and I don't enjoy cooking, but I absolutely adore like my hidden talent is breakfast. I love it. And I think my mom was really great at breakfast too. Um, and so I would say, I mean, I do French toast, I do pancakes, I do eggs today, I did a bacon, egg and cheese, very fancy. Um, but I love waking up with them. I feel really fortunate. I have that first like hour and a half before the bus gets them. Um, rarely do they just have like Cheerios, you know, like I really enjoy making breakfast. I mean, dinner is like a whole different thing. I can't even (laughs) think, oh my gosh. Um, But yeah, I really enjoy making breakfast. And so I kind of, you know, make a point to get up early and do that. What's the dinner situation at your house though? Because here at my house, I love cooking like, well, I don't love cooking. Let me just, let me step back a couple steps. If I cook, my husband does more cooking than I do, which he works from home now, so that makes it easier. But um, when I cook, I like to get like the Oshi Glows, like my vegan cookbook out and like cook these like really fun, delicious, healthy, nutritious meals. But they're oftentimes weird enough that my kids are like, no, thank you. Um, And so what I always struggle with is finding that balance of like eating like real adult meals And my kids, it's like too much for my kids, but I don't want to just have like pasta with, you know, whatever every single night. What do you guys do? Um, Honestly, I, I, it's so funny. Like a lot of my friends like put so much pressure on themselves for like, you know, what are you going to make dinner? And, you know, people sometimes have it planned out for the, like the week. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like psycho. Like I'm not a planner. (laughs) I'm like a day by day person. Um, and so, you know, my husband's actually a great cook. So sometimes he'll cook. He's a lot faster with like what matches what and yes. like throw it together. Whereas for me, I have to like, if I'm actually going to make a meal, I have to like, you know, I Google whatever I want to make and then I follow the recipe and it turns out great, but it's a little bit more like preparing. Um, but I don't put a lot of pressure on dinner. I just kind of like my mom always like had, you know, a starch, a meat, a fruit. And so I kind of like follow that. Um, and then, you know, depending on if it's like a holiday, you know, I'll dive a little bit deeper. Um, but if it's like, you know, uh, spaghetti and meatballs for kids, like I might just throw in some more vegetables and different things for like my husband and I, because to your point, it's hard to find like the thing that everybody loves and have it be, you know, eclectic enough that like an adult actually enjoys it as well. Right. Like if I have pasta, I want like sauteed mushrooms and broccoli and my kids like for the most part, the only vegetables I can get them to eat are like potatoes, corn, peas, carrots, like all the starchy vegetables, you know? Um, I am the exact same way. Like it's so annoying. My husband can just come into the kitchen and throw this and this and this together. And I'm like, okay, what's the plan? What do I need set out? It's like so much bigger of a production. And then I just stand in the kitchen and look at the refrigerator and I freeze and I'm like, uh, frozen pizza. (laughs) Yeah. Which is what we had for dinner last night. (laughs) Which is fine. Yeah. I think people put so much, um, focus on it. And I think that it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be as complicated as I feel like it has become. Yeah. So yeah, it's funny. Um, okay. So we're talking about food. I think this is a great, great time to bring up (laughs) modern pop, which is your popsicle brand. Tell us about the origin story of modern pop. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and so just to clarify, it's, we don't like to refer to it as popsicle, which is really interesting because every single person does. I think it's like natural. And sometimes, I mean, it is called modern pop. Um, but pop has always meant not popsicle. It's always meant, you know, a pop of color and life into this stale category of which is frozen. I love that. Um, so here's modern pop. So I cute. Things. Um, so Modern Pop's origin story started um, after I became a first-time mom. Uh, I was really thoughtful and very careful with what I was feeding my son. And, you know, as every mother is, especially with their first, um, before he was one, he was going through, you know, teething. Um, at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't, and I didn't know what to give him. And so I didn't want to give him, you know, any types of medications. Um, but I knew that, you know, frozen foods would obviously help with that soothing. So I went to the grocery store and I remember it like extremely well, but I went to all kind of like the natural stores. Um, I was in Laguna beach at the time. And at the time, every single product on the market looked like it was healthy. But when you started to read the labels, you saw that like there was tons of sugar, um, vegetable stabilizers, water, um, just watered down versions of what I thought would be very easy to find like a fruit bar. And so modern pop, we always refer to it as a whole fruit bar. Um, and it truly is. And so we, I actually went home that day when I was looking for him and I started making them out of our blender in the kitchen. And I remember giving, I mean, I had to obviously let them freeze and I gave them to him for the first time. And he just like went nuts, obviously as any, infant wood from a frozen fruit bar. Um, and so I just enjoyed doing, doing it so much in the kitchen that I had this whole group of first time moms and they started asking me, you know, what are you feeding Brooks? Um, you know, and I was telling them about these popsicles that I was making and how they were just whole fruit. And instead of using, um, you know, refined sugar, I felt more comfortable using drops of agave and agave was plant-based um, you didn't have to use as much of it for the same amount of sweetness and lemon, lime, and water. That's it. So I felt really good about what I was giving him. Um, you know, fast forward to that first summer, but I started making them out of like a commercial kitchen right in Laguna Beach. Um, I came out with the cold plate push cart and, you know, with my background kind of in sales and marketing and, you know, having that um, art background, I, I came up with this concept of, you know, new twists on old classics and really redefining what was and what I saw. Um, and so the whole concept was very much um, kind of Palm Springs inspired. Hence, you know, obviously from the push cart to the retail, um, you know, modern pop was was born. Um, so that confidence you talked about earlier, like I am awesome, was that a big player in this game? Because I feel that people come up with an idea and they think, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, but like, not me. Like, I can't do that, you know? Or like, I want to start this podcast, but like, it's too much or there's too many podcasts out there or whatever it is. Like, there's too many popsicles out there or fruit bars out there. Um, were you nervous? Like, what fueled you to think, no, I can do this and this can be a real, legit thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that when you, um, you know, people become really comfortable, I think, with what is normal, and people do want to follow. 
And when you can step out and become like uncomfortable and decide, okay, I'm going to like go, go for this. And what's the worst that could happen? And I mean, I'm an optimist. So I always think about, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, you try it, it doesn't work. Um, I never would have gone into retail if I didn't have a partner and my partner obviously is my husband. Um, and then we have obviously people now that we work with as well, but you know, he really has a side of business that I don't, and I'm extremely creative. I'm obsessed with meeting people, talking about the brand, but he is obviously the business piece. And so I don't know if I would feel as comfortable, but at the time, I think that like making dinner, I always thought about tomorrow. I didn't think about necessarily, okay, let's think like, where is this going to be in five years? I don't think we can get it there right away. You know, it was more so about like following a passion and just taking steps to move it forward every day. Um, and so, you know, I was confident enough in myself, in the feedback we were getting from consumers, from the push cart to the retail space that we decided to obviously invest and make, make the bet, you know, to move forward with the brand. Um, and I think that you really have to listen to the consumer and you learn a lot kind of as you go. So you also mentioned like emailing CEOs or calling up CEOs and like having this confidence about you when you do that. And I think that's a barrier for a lot of people. I think people are scared to reach out to big names or reach out to big companies because they think, why me? So how do we get over that? Yeah. Um, no, Lindsay, you're so funny because I it just reminded me of I, I think that like when you can be your authentic self and not, you know, I read a lot of these like self-help and like manifestation books and you know, people some people like reading all that stuff. Some people are like, oh my gosh, you know, that's like a little bit crazy. But I really believe that when you can be your authentic self and when you really like desire and believe in what you're trying to do, other people like you're putting out so much energy because you are so in belief of it that other people are going to follow and they're going to be interested because they want to be a part of that energy. And, um, I remember like, you know, my husband, like I said, he's more business oriented. He's a little more, um, corporate and I am a little bit more like creative and whimsical and like to read all that stuff. So I would be putting out these emails to, you know, these CEOs or um, these other people that I was reaching out to. And I would like, you know, do the happy face. <laughs> and I showed him one time and he was like, he was like, whoa, 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 you're going to send that, you know? And I was like, well, yeah, like I'm sending it with a picture of me and my baby because it's just, there's so much more um, storyline and so much more authenticity than somebody that writes like, you know, a board, like a very standard business email. So all of a sudden, you know, this, this wild chick is like coming through with this like very authentic email with like pictures of her and her baby. And there was a real story. And if he doesn't answer the first time he or she, you know, I would circle back and push that email back forward to the top of the email until I got a response. And I think that people, to your point, are really nervous of rejection. Mm -hmm. I always would prefer to get that rejection or, you know, exception or whatever you want to call it. Like, I'd rather get an email back and know that I was noticed than get nothing at all. So if, if everything was quiet, 
I just would make sure that I would push myself back up there until I would understand that, okay, this person actually did see my email. They're recognizing the brand. And, you know, if it's not right for them right now, like I'll circle back with them later. Um, but making the connection to me has always been exciting. Um, and it's like dating. You always want to like get through and then, you know, take it from there. That's so good. I love it so much. Yeah, I think that the rejection thing, that's, I mean, that's it. You don't want to be rejected. Nobody wants to be rejected. It's so, it's like a, it's kind of like a punch to the gut. Like, oh, why don't they like me? And it's, it's human nature. I mean, we, we dealt with that when we were kids. And I think that if we can just like get over that fear of rejection, A, it's going to still happen. So we have to accept that. At times it's going to happen. Um, but B, like you're going to get a yes somewhere where you assumed you were going to get a no and you would have never known if you didn't try. And, you know, I think about that with this podcast a lot because my running podcast that I have, it's five years old. I've interviewed like top, top Olympians, like gold medalists. So I kind of feel like in the running world, I can reach out to anybody, right? Like I've interviewed the best of the best in the running world. Well, with this, I'm like, who are the top parenting experts? And I just feel a little bit more like skittish. But I love what you're saying is like, if you believe that you're a good interviewer, if you believe that you have a good show to put out and you're putting out quality content that people really take something from and it's not just noise, then you're going to go after those names. And and I, I'm relating that to myself, but I'm saying that to anybody listening that has a product or anything that they are scared to reach out to someone, just, just do it. Like the worst that they can say is no. Right. And I think like what I've learned the most is that you know, when you reach out to people, you know, you put out 10 emails or 20 emails, you might get one email back. Um, but it's just that repetition of like the constant belief that like, you know, if you continue, you're going to get those people that are going to um, circle back and connect. And if it's not the right time, you know, that time might come in, in another year or in another six months. Um, but it's really about like planting those seeds and constantly, you know, having that confidence in yourself that they should want to listen to you, you know, and, and that you matter just as much as they do. Um, and, and that, you know, you're actually giving them a service and you're providing them with, you know, a better for you brand that, that they have to try because, because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, so they really have to, um, you know, you have to be in such belief of what you're doing. Um, otherwise there's no real reason to be doing it. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of, even though they might believe a little bit, there's a lot of hesitation and people can feel that. You have to own it and believe in your value. Um, what you mentioned, you read a lot of self-help books. I love reading books for business and things like that as well. What's one of your favorites in that category? Yeah, I love um, Gabby Bernstein. Like I love the super attractor um, I love, you know, easy ways to manifest like meditation. Um, I think like, you know, my brain, I feel like, you know, when you have kids, you're always, there's so much going on on the day to day. And especially sometimes like with emails and then with, like doing the house stuff and then having like to think about dinner, like all these things. So I think when you can kind of clear your mind and really, um, you know, take time for yourself and visualize like where you want, you know, whatever you're doing, like what you want to happen and how you're going to get there. And also kind of just letting the universe 
do its thing, you know, and just believing then, you know, having that calmness about you that you can, you know, take a step back, you know, plant all the seeds, but then, you know, also put it away. Um, and so, yeah, Gabby Bernstein's super attractor. I just adore. I think it's all about, you know, putting out really good energy when you're happy. Other people want to be near you when you're not happy, you know, you really don't notice it maybe, but, um, you know, the energy obviously affects, uh, affects everything that's happening around you. Um, okay. So I'm curious, you mentioned with your son, it's like your first son. I'm the same way. It's like my first kid made all my baby food, like all the things. And I don't do that anymore. I stopped, I think at my third, actually no, my second. I mean, I even did cloth diapers with my first and that went nowhere after baby two. Um, but I'm curious, like, did you loosen up a little bit? I don't know if that's the right term, but are you still super organic with your ways? Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm really not. I think that, I, I think that being a first time mom, I was extremely careful. I did not do cloth diapers. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> it was um, crazy and disgusting by the way. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine that. Um, but no, I mean, my second child, I mean, I don't want to say like the Cheetos come out, but you know, you do what you do and you, you know, I think all in moderation. Um, but I do think for the systematic, um, you know, food and beverage and where it's headed. I think the biggest thing that we want to do is make it affordable and accessible to the masses. Um, and so, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, we don't want to be the highest um, price point, you know, in the supermarket, but at the same time, we want to bring value and we want to bring the best quality products that we can at an affordable, somewhat affordable price um, to, to the general public. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those moms that's like, you know, only nuts for snack. Um, you know, I believe that, you know, kids should be exposed to everything, but they should also understand that there are good choices out there. Um, and, and that they should have them accessible at, at, you know, as much as they can. Yeah. I think that I do this similar to, to how you're explaining with what we eat at our house. I struggle because I totally am on the same page. Like if they want a pop tart, eat a pop tart. Like, and especially like just long-term relationship with food, right? Like I want to teach my kids to have a healthy relationship with food, which means like if there's a cupcake, eat a cupcake, whatever, you know, where I struggle is like, so here's an example. We just went to Sanibel for Thanksgiving. And when we went to the store, we got like, you know, extra crap like extra stuff that we don't like always keep in the house and they just like burn through it like there's nothing else they can look at and so my sister-in-law's argument is like well we always just have stuff like that in the house so it's not a big deal to our kids you know but there's this like balance and I don't know what it is you know so like we buy the chips whatever but like there's just a point where it's just excess and my kids can't handle the choice, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I think that when you give them enough choices, like it's kind of like the TV situation. Like we always, we've never had a limitation with like, oh, you only get an hour of TV. Like the TV's on. Our kids, like I beg them to just sit down, stop, <laughs> watch TV. Um, whereas, you know, other people that I know have like such limitations that like when a show goes on, it's like their kid like can't process and they're so excited 
that like you can't even get through to them because they're just watching the TV because it's not on all the time. So I think when you make it less of a big deal, Mm -hmm. um, it just becomes, you know, the relationship becomes almost like a better relationship. It's less um, coveted at the moment. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to have all that junk food in the house. I mean, I know that sometimes like I'll go, especially because I'm working from home and all munch and stuff. But oh, yeah. You know, I think that uh, I'd rather have them exposed to it than have it just be, um, you know, such a special thing all the time. Um, So, yeah, I had my way with some salt and vinegar chips at like 3 p.m. yesterday. That's my that's my hour. It's like if it's there, that's when I need all the crunchy, salty chips. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, mine's like after a glass of wine. I'm like, oh, my gosh. All the chips. so funny. I'm a chocolate girl, actually. <laughs> um, okay, so tell us what your like, give us one of your biggest wins with modern pop, like where you were like, oh my gosh, you know, I know you're in Wegmans now, which is a big deal. And I'm new to North Carolina. Wegmans is the shit. It's really good grocery store. So yeah, just share with us one of your big wins. I mean, I would say Wegmans was a super big win. And I think it was an even bigger bigger win because we had been in Wegmans early, early on in the life cycle of the brand. Um, The product was was good. It wasn't where it needed to be. I think you go through so many different iterations. And this is obviously, you know, a great thing to learn that, you know, you can be in somewhere. It might not work. You might fall out, but then you try again. Um, and so that was actually a super big win. I kept in extremely close contact with the buyer. Um, he knew how badly, you know, we not only wanted the product to get in, but that, you know, we made some iterations to the product. Um, the quality had been enhanced. And so um, it's an incredible supermarket, you know, not only because of the products that it sells, but because of the experience, which I absolutely adore um, a lot like Starbucks. I think it creates you know, more of like a family experience than a lot of different supermarkets do. So that, that was definitely a big win um, because there was history there. What's your best branding advice for someone starting a business or a podcast or writing a book or whatever? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I was talking um, with somebody that's starting a company and I could just like tell, you know, they're extremely smart in their industry. Um, And it's funny because like until you go through having a company for like five plus years, I feel like when you're used to kind of a corporate setting and how things are done, you want to um, educate yourself and, you know, you want to make the least mistakes as possible. And so I was listening to them and they were, you know, saying how they wanted to, you know, surround themselves and have all these discussions with all these educated people that had been in the industry, had done it before. And I said, listen, like, that's great. But like, what you don't know is kind of what what you want, like, that's your fuel. Like, sometimes it's better not to go through all the things that people have done, but to try to think, you know, outside of the box in regards to like branding and um, aesthetic and how you're going to do it and look at what has been done and try to do it differently. Um, and so I, I mean, my biggest advice would be, you know, how, how you can do it differently um, and how you really can stand out. 
And I think when you're not there to be an advocate of the brand, like I'm here talking about modern pop, you know, when you see our brand on shelf, you know, how are people going to reach for us rather than, you know, a different fruit bar? Um, and so, you know, there's challenges that come with it, but I think that you have to somehow communicate to the consumer why. I'd be reaching for the bright color. Yeah. Well, the bright colors and then obviously like the clean label and, and really, you know, coming back to like social media and I mean, every buyer that, you know, I sit down with and they say, okay, Julie, you know, I have frozen fruit bars. Why do I need modern pop? Right. I mean, that's like a big question. And I mean, it really comes down to the taste profile and the quality. So when you have the bar and you actually taste it, it's not like, you know, your sugar down water bar. Um, it's really more of a sorbet and it's because of the fruit forward um, nature of it. So we use fruit as a first ingredient across all of our fruit bars, which no other fruit bar does. Um, and then obviously no refined sugar, which is a huge thing. Um, because cane sugar is just a cheaper form um, rather than using like a plant-based drops of agave. So it's really like that education process, I think. Okay, I'm buying some modern pop next time I go to Wegmans for sure. Yes. Um, okay, last businessy type question. Tell us about LinkedIn because you have like 33,000 followers on LinkedIn. I didn't even, I never even think about LinkedIn as a social media arm, though I know it's very important. Like I once gave a presentation and I was like on social media and I was like, oh shoot, I got to learn about LinkedIn so I can like add this arm. But tell me yeah. about how you've grown there and what your strategy is. Yeah, I think I was an early adopter. I think that LinkedIn is honestly the best business platform that there is. I, you know, less so for the consumer. Um, and so, you know, maybe I should have spent potentially, you know, more time on Instagram and Facebook because that's where our consumer lives. Um, but in industry, I think that it is highly the most useful tool for, um, for sales. And I think that it's so underutilized um, because I, I think that it, it takes a while. I mean, it took me five years to really build this community, but every single person that I know, we have like, you know, X amount of mutual contacts. So all of a sudden, I'm not just like a random salesperson. All of a sudden, I'm, you know, a contact that knows 10 other contacts. But do I really know those contacts? No. You know what I mean? So, but it gives you this web of industry so that you have, you know, so you have some presence as a brand. Um, I used myself a lot, which, you know, I think is a good thing and a bad thing. Obviously, you know, the brand has to stand alone. It can't always have me. Um, but I think early on, it really helped us gain a lot of traction and a lot of awareness because, you know, I position myself with the retro cars and really bring in this whole kind of concept and brand identity and brand voice. But any single industry could use LinkedIn to its benefit. I mean, I usually have like a targeted list of, you know, whether it's an executive team I want to reach out with or whether it's, you know, um, buyers within my industry. And then you go in, you email them and that email goes directly to their email, which I wouldn't have known. Um, and so I, I just love it. I'm like obsessed with it. And I can see who's looking at my profile. If it's somebody that's interest, you know, interests me that I want to talk with, I go directly back into them. 
Um, I think it's not salesy. I think it's very personal because it shows the picture. I post maybe like twice a day. Twice a day. What do you post? Well, you know, I think that it's not necessary, but it keeps you relevant. So it was necessary at one time, but now I feel like, you know, the industry knows who we are. Um, but there's always people. I mean, the relationship, like the business of relationships is people. Like everything, any anything, you have to know people. You have to know people that are going to pass you to the right people. They're going to help you, you know, make different decisions. Um, I always use the example really fast. I mean, I think this is really important. Like I had to change my flight one time because, you know, something got you know, canceled and I had to change a flight and I called and I had like a non-changeable flight or something and I couldn't do it. And the woman was like, I'm sorry, I really can't help you. And I said, well, I, I think you could help me, you know, can you make an exception because, you know, X, Y, and Z and I can't get there and the meeting was canceled. And, you know, is there anything you can do? She's like, I can't help you. And I said, okay, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call back and I'm going to try somebody else. I was like kind of pissed. <laughs> I called back. The second person said, it can't help you. Then I called back. I got a third person that was like, you know what? No problem. You know, we're going to make an exception this time. So it all depends on like who you get, right? Like you can always get through. And if you get knocked down enough, I mean, you can always circle back and there might be a new buyer that might think of it in an entirely different way. Like everyone has different perspectives on, you know, what you're presenting, so it's kind of just like that repetition of trying. And I think that people don't try as hard as they um, as they could sometimes. Okay. That made me think of a story. I'm going to tell this story and then we'll we'll move on from, from this piece. But yes to relationships so, so much. Okay. Here's the quick story. I'm going to, I'm going to make it quick. We're on vacation in Florida. We meet these people who are also from Indiana. This is a couple years ago. We make the connection that we're both runners and this guy is good friends with Scott Jurek, who is like an ultra running legend. And Scott Jurek is coming to visit this guy in Indiana. So my wheels are turning and I'm like, okay, I don't want to be that person that's like, you know, you don't always want to just like ask for things, right? Like, but I knew that like I had a credible podcast, I'd interviewed credible people and I was like, we should have a live show in Indianapolis when he's in town. So I asked the guy. He's not really responsive. I think he felt uncomfortable because this is his friend. Well, I had a, another connection of a girl who I had interviewed twice. And I'd recently interviewed her in person. And I knew she was like besties with Scott Jurek and his wife. So I said, okay, I'm going to reach out to this woman and just be like, hey, can you give them a nudge that while they're in town? I have this podcast. Anyway, it ended up working out. I couldn't use my connection with the guy I met in Florida. He wasn't clearly wasn't comfortable with it, but I went through that catalog and used my connection who some, who was someone I had built a relationship with. And we had a sold out show, 350 people packed into this restaurant. No, like we had to turn people away because it was too full. But like, had I just been like, oh, this guy doesn't want to do it. Nah, never mind. And it was one of the most successful live shows I've ever done. So I think that, you know, to your point, like don't ever underestimate that connection and that relationship and that like first, second, third interaction because you don't know what it could turn out to be. Right, right. And it's also like if you didn't actually see that person, um, 
you know, that, that first contact that was kind of like, eh, you know, I'm not so sure you might never have like started to think about him in general. You know what I mean? So like the universe, like put it in there and you just finished kind of the process of like trying to actually get it done. Yeah. And you have to follow through, right? Like you can't just think it's an idea. Yeah. I would have never known that Scott Jerk was going to be in Indianapolis had I not met this random guy in Florida. Right. Um, Oh, that's so good. Okay. So holidays are coming up. Do you have holiday traditions with your family? You know what? We're going to go skiing. We're going to New Hampshire, where my husband's from, in Hanover, right near Dartmouth. Um, And we're going to go skiing with the kids. And um, we'll do the holidays here in Connecticut, and then we'll go up there. Um, So super excited for that. And I can't believe it's almost December, which is like nutty. Um, But yeah, other than that, we're going to see my dad. We'll see my sister who's coming back from Colorado. She lives in Colorado now. Um, So yeah, we're excited for it. Just be close to family. When the cousins come over or friends come over, do they always expect that you're going to have modern pop in your freezer? Um, Always. (laughs) And we actually usually, we usually do. And the best thing about it is our kids still like go crazy for it, which shows that, you know, after this many years and having it around all the time, um, it's still something that they absolutely adore and have like favorite flavors and stuff. Oh, that's so good. Um, Okay, so we always wrap up the podcast here with some end of the podcast questions. We've talked a lot about your business. I'm curious, though, what is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? That's a good question. I mean, I really think for all of the people that I've spoken with or all of like the connections that I've been able to make over the internet, I mean, I know this is like me hallucinating, but I'd love to like one day have a big dinner and actually meet these people in person. Um, I'm a huge advocate of like face-to-face interaction, you know, Skype, Zoom, you can only do so far, Um, but you get such a different energy and feel when you're in front of people. Um, So I guess professionally and personally kind of combined, I would have a huge, you know, modern pop dinner party with all of the top executives that I've kind of been able to connect with. Um, and just connections to be able to kind of solidify relationships. How fun. What a great idea. Well, hopefully more and more and more that'll become normal <laughs> over the next year or two. Yeah, my invitation. Love it. Um, what I know we mentioned business books, but what's the best, most recent book you've read? It can be fiction, nonfiction, fun, business, whatever. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I read, but I wouldn't say, I mean, I would say like I've been reading like manifesting, um, I think it's called like manifesting made easy. I just have all of these books. I, when I used to travel like more for face-to-face meetings, I just remember picking up all of these like kind of like these self-help books about like, it's everything that I already know, but it kind of reinvigorates that like intensity and excitement. Um, and so at nighttime, I try to read a little bit. I do a ton of reading on my phone. Um, yeah, I, I would just, say manifesting made easy. I love it. I love, um, you know, putting all of those concepts into play. And I just think that all of those books, you know, are just, they just benefit both, you know, personal and um, like business life. Okay. So tell us a kid's book you recommend. My oldest is nine and I'm finally getting him to read. We did a reading contest when we were down in Sanibel with him and my niece and like the contest that he gets a prize if, you know, whoever reads the most was like the only thing that's ever worked. And he, so he's reading Diary of the Wimpy Kid. But do you have any book suggestions that your kids like? My my son was reading Chocolate Fever. 
Um, my daughter loves Ivy and Bean. Um, she's just become a huge bookworm, but like for your son and for my son, I mean, like all of a sudden I feel like he's really starting to take off. And I think it's just a matter of like having your friends do it too. Like once he hears like his friends talking about something then he wants to be involved, it's kind of that fun age where, you know, there's like a little bit of like competitiveness. Yes. Um, so, I mean, for my daughter, it's Ivy and Bean. And then there's another series, um, but I'm, I'm totally blanking on it right now. But I think anything that's like short and relatable, even if he's reading like comics, I'm like totally fine with it. You know, anything um, related to baseball, he just adores. So I kind of am all about, you know, getting things that he is interested in in real life and just letting him read, even if it's like, you know, a hockey magazine or whatnot. I know. I keep thinking I need to just get like a subscription to Sports Illustrated or something like bring bring back those old school days and like book it really knew what they were doing back in the day when we got a personal pan pizza. Right. Like you would get like prizes for how much you read. Like there was a reason that worked. We like competition. Yeah. Yeah. They just had like a scholastic book fair. So all that stuff. What is a trip you would recommend that you've taken with your family or that you want to take? Um, so I would say right when COVID hit, we got a dog. He was COVID dog. So cute. It's like the love of my life. I mean, it's like the cutest thing in the world. Move over Uh, kids. The dog is here. (laughs) Move over daddy. I mean, that is so stinking cute. Um, so we actually took a trip when we were in California with the dog and we went through Utah and we stopped in Zion national parks it was absolutely beautiful and we kept driving it was a 14 hour road trip because nobody was really flying this is when everything kind of like stopped and we went all the way to um my sister lives in aspen in colorado and so we we drove like two days stopped in zion and it was just such a cool trip not but not necessarily only because it was so beautiful but like having a road trip a long road trip no matter what, even though it's like a pain in the butt, you're like, hell, I can tell you're like, oh, no, we just did it. Yeah, it's so fun. Um, and I think at a certain age, they were really ready for it. I mean, at the time, we we weren't going to get on a plane. But I feel like in hindsight, thinking about everything and where we stopped, um, it was really memorable. So I would I would tell people to like get in the car and spend more time, even though it's a pain um, with their kids and just, you know, try to take, you know, a week or two, um, just to go do something different and travel. Yeah. I mean, we just drove back from Sanibel partly because it's like six plane tickets is a lot of money. Like every time you fly. Right. And so we just drove, but I, and my youngest is three, he's a fresh three, but I really think that like, once you're out of the baby stage where like you might have an unconsolable baby crying and like you have no other choice, but to eventually pull over or like diaper blowouts are happening. Like once you're past that, I think that we're actually giving our kids a gift of like learning patience and delayed gratification and things like that when we choose the car over the plane sometimes. I'm not saying I don't want to fly sometimes. I do. But like I do think that there's something cool to giving your kids that experience. Yeah, definitely. And different. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay. And also we are liberal with the screens for the most part in the car. 
Um, but at some point they end up getting burnout anyway. And they like, just look out the window cause you know, they get car right. sick or whatever. Yes, this is true. I know. I didn't realize you had a three year old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My youngest are three and five, which it's so weird because of, for the most part, I kind of feel like I'm like a bigger kid mom. Right. So yeah. my three year old, it's very much like it's not the same as like when my first two or three, right? You're like, you're like six child. Right. Like, right. Yeah, that's true. Though he's still not potty trained. That's just, I don't know. We'll get there. Um, What is your last message to leave with the audience? My last message would just be that you're awesome. And I think that, you know, the more you can instill and believe in yourself and just get behind, you know, what you want to do and just, you know, everyone's here just for, one, you know, you only live one time. So just to enjoy it and just to go with your gut and try new things and kind of get out of your comfort zone. Um, so I would just say, just really to see all the good that, that people have to offer and just to, uh, you know, really make sure that other people kind of see the value that they have. I love it. Thank you so yeah. much. Of course, Lindsay, this has been such a pleasure. It's so much fun to get on and talk and I mean, it really kind of reinvigorates me. So I appreciate you having me on. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Julie, for coming on the podcast. You can connect with Julie. Well, first of all, go connect with her on LinkedIn. She clearly knows what she's doing over there. Uh, She is Mrs. Modern Pop on Instagram. And you can follow The Modern Pop to learn more about their fruit bars on Instagram as well. Um, You can find me personally on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626. I would just love to connect with you over there. Uh, You can follow this podcast, Why Is Everyone Yelling on Instagram, as well as Sandy Boy Productions. If you have guest ideas or topics that you'd like to hear about, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to put out content and interview guests that you are just dying to hear from, we want to make that happen for you. You can email me, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. And I also have a new production assistant for this show specifically. She is Sexton at gmail.com. You can always reach out to her with guest ideas as well. We would love to connect with you. Big thanks to Emma Benner, the production assistant for all of my podcasts, who edits this show every single week. Thank you, Emma, for the hard work and the great job that you do. You guys have a great rest of your day and we will see you next week on why is everyone yelling?